What is going on, Rotogrinders? Welcome back to Sports Car Grinders, where, you guessed it, we talk sports cars. I'm your host, Dean. Uh, usual rules apply. I don't really know anything, but the experts here do. I'll just be here uh, asking some questions. Speaking of the experts, batting first, leading up, uh, it's Simon Edwards. Simon, what's up in your world? Tell me. Uh, I know we're going to talk about it to some degree, but tell me about your article that's coming out here in RG. I got an article coming out this week uh, just targeting speculative quarterbacks in the NFL kind of piggybacking off that cam newton news over the weekend we had a couple guys uh chief and rhino that had huge nights on sunday when the news came out that cam was on the new england patriots now yeah we'll delve into that more in a second we'll talk about the cam newton news how it changes things and how some of the guys in our uh, rg discord are super happy about it because like you said chief was one of those guys hyping you know buying a uh, cam and how much it sort of changed the, the cost of cam from before the trade and after the trade uh, we're going to get into our biggest investment payoffs that we've had in the past. Some speculative plays, like you said, all around the horn. Uh, the importance of scarcity. Lots of, lots of fun topics as far as this show today. Uh, also joining us, welcome back from Sports Card Investor. It's Jeff Wilson. Jeff, what's going on? Hey, Dean. Happy to be here, man. Tell us about the SCI, if those are not uh, aware for whatever reason. Sure. SportsCardInvestor.com, a great source for information regarding investing in sports cards. We also have a membership program, and the membership program gives you access to our Market Movers data tool, which we'll see during the show here today, but it's the ultimate way to understand the sports card market and where investment opportunities might lie. Josh, welcome back. Uh, how is your uh, your series going here at RG as far as your uh, article series? I believe you're still talking about the rookies from 2012, 2013. Yeah, right? we, did, uh, we did put out uh, another piece of the 2012 Prism set last week. Um I think this week we're actually going to focus more on some target players for um, some some current playoff teams and some teams that didn't make the playoffs for NBA um, and what their values could do in the offseason. Any specific players? Anybody you're willing to tease just yet or you're still kind of figuring it out? Um, well, one guy I, I might be talking about is uh, Sekou uh, Demboy on the Pistons. His prices kind of came back down to earth after his couple of good game stretch. <laughs> Um, but I think, uh, you know, he's only 19. So I think uh, with some good games next year, we might be able to get back to those levels. Also going to welcome Brennan. Brennan, uh, what, how about yourself? What's up with as far as your articles? I've not seen. Has, has one uh, dropped recently or no? No. The uh, the most recent one still from uh, probably a week and a half ago now. It's the uh, Luca LeBron market cap analysis. But I think uh, as we saw in the Discord this week, there was a lot of conversations about rising population counts. And I think that, you know, that article, the takeaway from that, and we'll talk about it a little bit later, is that um, for someone like Luca, maybe a population can be as high as it is right now. So uh, that's the most recent one. The next one coming out uh, probably in a, a week or so. But uh, yeah, doing good and glad to be here. Awesome. Glad to have you. Uh, Going to talk about Cam Newton. Like we said, uh, Simon, you were on a show, I believe, just yesterday, uh, talking with Chief and talking with one of the guys in the Discord as well, too. And uh, obviously, you know, you guys can find that on YouTube as well. Hey, if you guys are watching on YouTube, feel free to like and subscribe. Much appreciate that and make some comments as well, too. We do read those. We do listen. And, hey, any sort of uh, topics you want to see covered and shows in the future, we'll do our best to knock those out as well. Uh, Simon, there was some victory laps going on there in the Discord channel because, of course, uh, Chief was talking about it. I think even on the show last week he was talking about buying uh, some cam. And, of course, the dominoes fell in the right way. Now he's presumably the starting quarterback for New England. Uh, we'll see how that goes down going forward, but that's the uh, the smart money suggests that I believe it's currently uh, three to one or four to one that he is instead of 
you know, it's like plus 300 as far as starting week one. Uh, Simon, feel free to give us a taste of as far as what that video was, what you guys talked about. And also mention the Discord for those that are not aware. Yeah, well, a couple months ago when we first started getting back into these sports cards, um, Chief and I were talking pretty consistently over Slack about guys that we wanted to target. And Cam Newton was one of those guys that we were talking about pretty consistently. He brought that over into the RG Discord channel and started to accumulate Cam's rookie cards. You could At that time, you could get his uh, PSA 10 2011 Topps Chrome cards for under $30, which is pretty crazy for a guy with the background of, of Cam and the likelihood that he would end up on a team. So I know Chief and Rhino over in the Discord uh, were talking him up pretty significantly, getting everybody to invest in it. I, I got in on a few uh, Cam Newton rookie cards myself. And uh, Chief and Rhino just absolutely were loading up on Cam. So when that news came out on Sunday that Cam had just signed with New England, his cards ended up going from about $24 for that uh, PSA 10. Uh, I believe the Rookie Refractor um, Chrome card uh, shot up to about $250, literally, uh, literally within hours. So we were all scrambling to make sure to get those cards up on our eBay uh, pages. And I sold mine. I bought mine. Mine was actually a PGA 10, believe it or not. Like that um, was the grading company that, uh, that graded the card that I bought. And I sold that. I bought it for about 25. I sold it for 200. And I sold it with no problems either. So those cams were pretty hot that night. And uh, a lot of money was made uh, by chief and rhino in particular and a lot of people in the discord benefited from it as well for those that aren't aware how, how would i sign up for the discord i know it's free but how do i do it well you go into uh roto grinders you can get there through our video page uh if you look in the chat section if you click on there you can get to the discord uh the rg discord server through that and there's a channel within that rg discord server called sports cards so if you just jump in there we got a good mix of uh experts uh, and and uh, and people just getting into it, so you can freely ask for advice. Everybody's willing to give you advice and share ideas on players that they're considering, and uh, give you tips on what to look for and what costs too much and whatnot. Uh, you can also figure that stuff out by subscribing to Market Movers subscription over at SportsCardInvestor.com, and if you use the promo code Grinders, you can get twenty percent off your first payment on any subscription. Uh, for that, I'd recommend actually doing the annual so you can get 20% off the entire year. Um, but market movers in general is, is what you want to subscribe to over there. That really gives you a upper hand on the types of uh, prices that you can, you can bid on for these cards. Uh, you don't want to pay too much on eBay. And a lot of times people will list their cards way over what their value is. And you can use that market movers tool to uh, determine what the actual value is. So if you have an opportunity to make an offer or uh, if you're in an auction, you know how much is, is too much to pay for those cards. But we talk about that type of information pretty frequently in the, uh, in the Discord channel as well. Uh, so, you know, like just basically trying to help people not overpay for cards is, is kind of what's going on in that Discord and giving people ideas on players that might be the next Cam Newton or might just in general be breakout players. 
Simon, thank you for being a good team player and mentioning that promo code. I goofed. I'm a terrible <laughs> host. I totally forgot. My bad. Uh, and as promised, Jeff, we're going to do a little screen share uh, and kind of what, what Simon was talking about as far as uh, the, the Cam Newton cards and what happened before the trade, not trade, the free agent signing, and what happened afterwards and how much they skyrocketed. Go ahead and uh, feel free to take the reins and show off the, uh, the market mover uh, tool there at SCI. Yeah, so he's Cam Newton is leading our leaderboard in the last 30 days within our software. His cards are up 425% collectively over the last 30 days. He is now past Colin Kaepernick, who had been the previous leader for the last 30 days, and Pascal Siakam, uh, who has had a strong last month as well in terms of his cards. But you can see with uh, specifically with Newton's cards here how much they've gone up. And if we look at, for example, um, his uh, 2011 Topps football base raw card. I'm going to pick this card because it has a lot of transaction volume, so you can get a very accurate trend line, and you can see what happened right there. I mean, it's a pretty incredible rise. This card was really just a couple of bucks. I mean, it was as little as $2 or you know $2.50 uh, a few days before his signing by the Patriots was announced, and then all of a sudden, this particular card shot up to $26. So you're dealing with an increase of 1,200% for this particular card. And as we look across Cam Newton's different cards, you see the same thing happening. We can look across his graded cards. We can look across his raw cards. And you're going to see, you know, you're going to see a similar type of trend line. I'm going to call up more versions of his cards here. Uh, this one right here, let's see, that's his um, Chrome Football 10. I'm going to turn that one off because that one doesn't have a lot of uh, transaction volume. Uh, but the others on the graph here, let me just show to show sales on the graph. Um, turn that off. Uh, the others on the graph here, you can see, you can see now a little more clearly with that one turned off. It didn't have as much transaction volume, how the others have acted and responded. So this one, this, uh, let's see, this yellow one down here before was the one we were looking at just a minute ago. But now since the graph has such a higher limit, now that we added this PSA 10 card to it, uh, you can see, you know, this one kind of now looks small in comparison. And when you look at how huge the uh, rise of his 2011 Topps football PSA 10 has been, which is this line. And this was a card that was selling for $42 just a few days ago and is now all the way up at $272. So definitely an incredible uh, few days here for people who own Cam Newton cards. So what do you think? I'm going to ask you to find your speculation cap. Like how much uh, is of that price is baked in that he's going to be like, okay, obviously it's now he has an opportunity with New England. How much of it is baked in that he's going to be good for New England? Like wh where can the ceiling go? Uh, because he's 30 years old. He's coming off some injuries. He's known for having his legs. He feels like an old 30 if, if, for me. Uh, I can see him theoretically. I think as a path where he could be a top seven quarterback in the league. And people can also argue that he's going to be, he's just hurt and beat up and, Stidham's going to overthrow him at some point, and maybe he's just, you know, his prices on his cards will plummet. So if he's quote-unquote good with New England, Jeff, uh, how much further can these prices go? I don't think they can go a ton further unless he's really good with New England. Now, certainly if he leads them deep into the playoffs, Super Bowl-type season, then sure, they could go up further. I mean – these are pretty low population cards. Uh, there were not a ton of sports cards printed back in 2011. This PSA 10, let's see what the pop count is on it. We now have um, we now have uh, pop counts available for some cards within market movers, although I don't see actually the pop count on that card right now. So I'd have to go look it up. But it's a it's a I believe it's a less than a thousand type of pop count on that card. I think it's pretty small. Um, so I think, um, you know, so. 
there is the possibility because these are fairly low population cards that that there could be you know you could have a demand exceeding supply if he has a really good season but honestly with how these have already popped in recent days to be honest if i were holding a bunch of cam newton cards right now i'd kind of think about selling because there's a if, if you don't sell at this moment with where prices are you're definitely taking a risk he needs to have that type of really good season in order to see these prices escalate further, in my opinion. Yeah, and the other part of that is New England, you can argue, has the worst collection of skill position players in the entire league. Uh, Sonny Michelle running back. Harry, of course, is a you know a young project who might be good, but like Mohamed Sadu, Edelman, he's an old 34. Uh, Lacoste is not a very sexy tight end. Uh, we were talking about this before the show, Simon. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, could you, could you speculate? What What do you think? It feels like the the possible the range of outcomes. It feels really really drastic and really really big for uh, for Cam. And also, you know, New England's not really totally committed to him. They signed basically one million, two million guaranteed or something like that. Mostly it's as far as incentives. Uh, so if for whatever reason he's not looking good in the preseason, they don't they're not married to him. They're, and it's certainly not beyond this year. Uh, Simon, do you want to speculate? Well, what do you think Cam's going to do this year? <clears throat> Um, well, I don't think that they're going to dump him in the preseason like some of the speculation has been. I think New England's very careful about their decision-making. I don't think that they would jeopardize Stidham's development throughout the preseason by bringing in a guy like Cam unless they started uh, intended to start Cam. So I don't really buy into the possibility that they're just going to cut him loose in the preseason. I think uh, Newton's here to, uh, to play the entire season. <clears throat> Dean, we discussed that he doesn't have a ton of weapons to throw to. Yeah. We saw what Brady was able to do with uh, the wide receivers there last year. Um, I think Nikhil Harry has a lot of potential. Obviously, uh, he's in his second year this year. Last year, he was a little bit uh, behind the ball as far as development. I think he was injured, though, for uh, for the first part of that season. So he, he, missed, uh, he missed some of his uh, crucial uh, game time and, and reps. So... He, uh, he came in towards the end of the season, uh, didn't really impress too much, but I still think that he has potential to be a great receiver, and we'll see how, uh, how Cam's able to do with him. Obviously, Cam doesn't have the same accuracy as Tom Brady, uh, but we'll see how they gel, and, and maybe they're able to be a good, good tandem together. Yeah, I mean, Cam has the legs, too, for sure. It's another out, obviously. Um, as far as, you know, Stidham, uh, is anybody thinking that Stidham's prices uh, are appealing now? Maybe there's uh, some upside. I'm sure nobody's buying Stidham now because he's now, we're assume, uh, the backup, and he's still super young, obviously. Does anybody see a buying opportunity in Stidham? Is that risk versus reward for anyone? I, th I personally think that there might be in the months ahead. I'm actually calling up the chart of Stidham's card prices, and it's too soon to see any type of drop because the thing is that you can see on the chart, like, you know, there's not really a big drop here that you can that you can attribute, you know, to what just happened. And the reason why is typically what happens when this type of news occurs is ever is is Stidham's cards just stop selling. So it's not that all of a sudden the prices go immediately down, you know, because the people who have them basically at this point are probably like, okay, well, my two choices are either I either sell them at a large discount. Or I just hold on to them and let's see how this Cam Newton thing plays out. And I think that a lot of people are just going to hold on to them for that reason. So, however, if this goes on for a while, 
then what you'll see is you'll see some Stidham owners going, okay, I just got to get out from under these guys, this guy's cards, and they'll start listing them. But I would suspect you'll see that downward trend over the next few months, not necessarily like this week. Um, so, you know, I keep an eye on it. Once that downward trend starts to emerge, then maybe then. But I wouldn't, it's not like an opportunity to go out and buy them today because a lot of the buyers are just, or a lot of the sellers are just pulling them off the market. Yeah, I mean, I guess why sell on the floor? Why sell at the bottom? Uh, just, there's still some hope that you still have some outs if you're a Stidham owner. So uh, I guess that makes a lot of sense. Uh, any other final thoughts here as far as Cam? Does anybody have any, uh, anything else they want to add here or shall we move on? I would just, oh, go I would just add uh, about about Stidham. Yeah, I I think uh, Jeff's. I'm I'm with Jeff. I, I I think you just wait until that price starts to drop, and and when it see it start to uh, plateau at a lower price, then maybe you consider uh, jumping into it. Because like you like you mentioned earlier, Dean, Cam's on a one year contract, so we don't know how long he's going to be in New England, and we don't know if he's going to last the entire season. I think he'll start the season as the starter. I don't think he's going to. Uh, be off the team in the preseason, but if he gets hurt or anything happens during the regular season, then Stidham will get his opportunity. Yeah, again, for what it's worth, DK Sportsbook currently has who is the week one starting quarterback for New England. Uh, Cam Newton is minus 400 and Stidham is, my, is plus 300. So at least the betting market strongly think it's going to be Cam being the quarterback for week one, and that makes sense. Uh, he's much more the established guy. Stidham is still kind of sort of a wild card. Uh, Brennan, answer me this. Uh, it doesn't have to be Cam, but just anybody in specific. Like, how do you go about? Uh, give me a good strategy to speculate on cards. Like, what what makes you say this guy is worth speculating on because X, Y, and Z can happen, and all of a sudden his cards are going to go up? Sure, absolutely. So when I think of speculating, I think of uh, lower cost cards, guys that haven't broken out yet. And from that perspective, you know, I. I consider it prospecting. There's other ways to speculate like the Cam Newton scenario we just talked about with speculation that he would join the Patriots. So there's a lot of different ways to speculate from a prospecting perspective. I think you have to be very cost conscious and that all, that not only includes the price of the card, but also the additional overhead, the shipping, the fees and everything like everything else like that. And so what I like to do is use ComC as a great place to prospect. You can get cards for a dollar. You can get cards for less and you don't have to pay shipping. Uh, they have a 5% fee, which is much lower than what you would pay on eBay. And you can hold those cards and sell once the guy breaks out. So a good way to identify those players that you want to buy on a, on a site like ComC, Starstock, Starstock is new and, and a, a similar scenario. I, I first look at, at guys in the most recent draft classes. Very rarely do you have a guy that's in the middle or late end of his career that breaks out. Um, and so I look at some of the younger players, maybe the three or four most recent draft classes, and I look at data and I don't just look at the overall counting numbers, but I also look at efficiency as well as improvement. Um, one thing I like to do is see, you know, if a guy, let's say De'Aaron Fox can't shoot threes, did he improve from his rookie to his sophomore year, from his sophomore to his, his, you know, junior year. And, and those are the, the things I like to, to look at guys that are improving on areas that they need to improve on. And then also what kind of hype those guys have. Are there YouTube videos being watched? Are they talked about on Twitter? You can, by being in these discords, by, by listening to the, the markets, uh, you can see what guys are hot and what guys, you know, people like to talk about. And so write down a list of five, six names you want to research and just and do the research and then buy their, you know, buy their cards in bulk. Uh, one example uh, this year for me was, was Jalen Brown and, 
it, it worked out really well. I bought cards for under a dollar and I'm now selling them for six or $7 on ComC. And, and if you looked at his stats relative to Jason Tatum, the difference in the price just didn't work out. Now, if I would have bought the cards for a dollar on eBay, I would have paid $3 in shipping and there goes all of the profit. So uh, you have to be very cost conscious. You have to look at the data, not just what everyone else is saying to buy or what to target and be willing to hold a guy like uh, DeJounte Murray from the Spurs was going to break out last year and got hurt. So anybody that bought his cards in the post or the preseason last year would have, will probably need to wait until sometime next year when the youth movement has, happens in San Antonio and case gets another shot to break out. So you have to be patient. You have to be cost conscious and you have to do the research because when you speculate and you prospect, there is more risk than buying your Lucas and your LeBrons and, and your Curry's and all that kind of stuff. Uh, buying cards on ComC versus buying cards on eBay. Give me the pros and cons of each. Sure. So uh, the pros for ComC are uh, there's no shipping and handling involved. The cards are in a vault or a warehouse somewhere that ComC manages. And when you buy the card, the way I assume it is just in the system, they, you know, change the pink slips from the old owner to you is basically what they do. And so when you buy a card on ComC, it's not going to get shipped to you unless you ask them to ship it to you but it is put in your quote unquote inventory. So you buy the card, they take their 5% and that's it. Uh, another pro is, is you can see historical sales prices on ComC. So ComC has these things called history points and it lets you see things like how many sold uh, by quarter, what was the highest sale and when that sale happened. So you can actually do some research in the ComC platform. It doesn't represent eBay or, or anything like what market movers can show you, but it gives you an idea of what the market on ComC has been for that card. And you can buy very quickly as well. If I wanted to buy 20 Jalen Browns on eBay, I'd have to go to 20 different listings. I'd have to pay shipping on all of those unless I was lucky enough to find a guy that was selling a lot. And so on ComC, you can buy in bulk uh, much quicker and, and for much cheaper without the hassle of, of shipping and handling. Now, eBay is nice, uh, one, because it's the biggest platform. So it's got um, a, a very good selection of cards as well as it's got great sales history as well. And you get the card immediately. I, ha I am having ComC send me some cards and I requested it about a month ago. They're so far behind that I'm not going to get those cards until August. So if you want a card to send out for grading immediately, or if you want a card to, to try to flip immediately, ComC is probably not a great choice because there is going to be a wait to get the card in the mail. Um, so, you know, ComC is great for lower end cards, cards that you don't necessarily want to take possession of. Um, and you don't want to deal with storing them and shipping them and all that kind of stuff. Uh, eBay is by far the largest, you know, platform as of right now. And it's probably the best platform to get your cards within a week or so um, to ship right away. And in the pictures, if you have a good seller, are also better on eBay. ComC just takes a scan of the front and back, and you can't really see as clearly as you can on some of the eBay stuff. All right, Josh, I did not forget about you. Uh, your thoughts as far as ComC versus eBay, anything you want to add there? Any personal experience as far as buying on both? And the original um, question, uh, your best strategy as far as uh, speculating on cards? Um, a lot, uh, pretty similar to, to Brennan um, in terms of speculation, looking at younger guys from recent draft classes, um, a guy I spoke of at the beginning, Seku, you know, his prices shot up when he had a couple of good games and then plummeted after he kind of struggled. But again, he's only 19 years old. So he's not, um, you know, a 24 year old rookie who probably has a capped upside. Um, you know, a guy like RJ Barrett, 
great pedigree, you know, great, uh, you know, uh, high school career, college career. He's only 19. His prices are pretty low um, for the type of ceiling that he has. Um, so looking at those kind of guys um, in terms of projecting uh, future investments. Um, I don't have a ton of experience with ComC. Um, you know, I browse there looking at prices. Um, I do have an account. I actually haven't purchased or sold anything on there yet. Um, I'm going to. I'm going to break Is there a reason why you hesitated or it's just whatever reason hasn't happened? I don't know. I just just haven't done it. Um, most of my buying is just on eBay. I do a little bit on Instagram and Facebook. But um, for eBay, you know, if I can find cheap enough singles where they're not gouging the shipping costs, you know, I like those. I do try to find lots, cheaper lots. Um, I'll purchase multiple items from the same seller to combine shipping, uh, save some money that way. Um, so there's there's ways to, to save some money on shipping on eBay, but um, not as much as you could on Comp C with, the, with them just storing them. What can you add here, Jeff? How about yourself? Uh, any preference as far as Comp C versus eBay, or is, I suppose it's case dependent? Well, I mean, I think the points that uh, everybody's made so far is, is correct, that ComC is a better, a better source for flipping lower-end cards because uh, you get away from those uh, shipping fees and all that type of thing. Starstock, which is a new platform, uh, has a lot of similarities to, to ComC, and they're really trying to orient their platform around uh, flippers and make it really convenient for people to flip. Um, in fact, we've got a, at Sports Card Investor, we got a promo deal going with Starstock that if you use SCI when you register for Starstock as a referral code, you get you can get free bonus money in your account. So it'd be worth people trying out and seeing kind of what they're doing. Uh, it's, it's a pretty unique model. Um, in terms of flipping in general, so I, I, like, I like to do some prospecting as well. I think that it's smart for sports card investors, just, just like if you were to build a stock portfolio or a mutual fund portfolio, you're going to want different types of investments in that portfolio. And some you might be willing to take more of a risk with and others you're going to want to save for long-term investments. And the same thing applies to sports cards. I like looking at your sports card portfolio and what your investment mix is. And so a portion of my sports card portfolio is always going to be designated towards, you know, shorter term, higher risk prospecting, flipping opportunity and then a lot of it's going to be dedicated towards, you know, more of your veteran stars, established players, Hall of Famers, that type of thing. Um, in, the, in the prospecting category, I personally really like to go for basketball players that are entering their second year in the league. I want to see players who I think are going to make that jump from their rookie year to their second year. This past offseason, uh, I was buying a lot of Luca, although he was kind of obvious. Uh, Luca and Trey were both kind of obvious from their performance their first year that they were probably going to have a really good second year. But that was proven out, and both of their card prices went up tremendously their second year. I was also buying a lot of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who was a little bit more under the radar um, heading into this season. And, of course, he has really broken out this season and has really shined for uh, Oklahoma City. So he's one that I would say was a little bit more of a speculative investment going into the season. I put a fair amount of money into him and it turned out to be, it turned out to be really good. I also bought a lot of uh, Jaron Jackson jr. That one's worked out really well. Um, and I bought a lot of Mitchell Robinson, which hasn't worked out so well. Um, his, his prices haven't really gone down, but they haven't really gone up. They've remained kind of flat. Um, and while, you know, most other players around him have been going up. 
Uh, and I blame that on the Knicks because uh, Mitchell Robinson is a heck of a player, and I think he's unfortunately stuck stuck on a really bad basketball team right now. They refuse to start him, and I guess kind of part of that is because he's really handsy and he gets in foul trouble really quickly, and maybe they're afraid of him getting two quick fouls and, you know, eight minutes or two minutes into the game sometimes. He's got two fouls, and all of a sudden he's playing the foul game the whole time. But I love watching him play, and I did see a video of him. He's working on his three ball apparently too in 2020. Mitch Rob gets a three. One of the most exciting blockers in the league, too. And he's in New York. So theoretically, he's good. He'll get a bump there for being in that city. So uh, I like that as a speculative play as well. While I have you, Jeff, um, we're going to go around the horn of this one, actually. Your uh, the best one you can think of, your, your favorite, your best investment you can think of as far as return. And if you can think of maybe a worse one as well, too, like best and worst. And the reasons why it may, it may have broken your way, it may have not broken your way. Yeah. Well, I mean, this, I, I bought a, so last year I went to the national sports collectors convention in Chicago and uh, I, from one dealer at that convention, I bought a Michael Jordan 86 Fleer rookie card, BGS 9.5. That has gone up, that went up in value about three X uh, since last summer, what I paid for it. I then bought 10 Luka Doncic. Actually, it was from the, uh, a dealer right next to him. I bought 10 Luka Doncic Prism Silvers, which were about $520 each is what I paid for them at the time. Those things are now like $2,500, $3,000, dollars is I think where they currently are. Unfortunately, I sold out of them at $1,800. Uh, so I, I got out of them a little bit early <laughs> perhaps, but you know, it was still a um, you know, three and a half X return on investment. Um, and then I also bought some Jaron Jackson, which have gone up in value as well. So that was, I'd say, overall, that one particular buy that I did from this group of dealers right there who were together at the same booth at the uh, National Sports Card Convention collectively probably turned into my best overall buy. I actually did a video on my YouTube channel about that a few weeks ago. Um, in terms of worst, so thankfully, I haven't had... Uh, a whole lot of cards go down in value and, and, you know, we've had overall the sports card market rise Two two things I've, I've messed up on though. Um, one is selling too early. Uh, obviously the Lucas are an example. I also uh, bought a bunch of boxes of prison first off the line basketball and sold those when they uh, doubled what I paid for them. But unfortunately since then they've gone up another few times um, so I could have, I could have made a little bit more on those, but you never know. And I, you know, my rule of thumb on that is look, if you're able to make a good profit, if you're able to double or triple, get your chips off the table, put them into some other investments, you can never quite time when the top of the market is. Um, I guess, I guess one player that I, I did kind of bust on this off season, this past off season was I bought Ryan Finley. Um, I thought I predicted correctly that Cincinnati was going to struggle and that Andy Dalton was going to be shown the door at some point. So I, that part I was correct on, but my speculation was that Ryan Finley was going to take the starting job, which he did, but that then Ryan Finley was going to, was going to uh, perform well and then was going to be the starter for years to come. That part of the prediction, obviously not correct. So my Ryan Finley cards never really turned into much. Simon, same questions. Well, my best uh... – my best investment was the Cam Newton rookie refractor <laughs> card that I mentioned. Uh, that was one that Chief was promoting pretty heavily in the Discord channel, and I finally caved in and bought it. Uh, got it under thirty dollars, sold it for two hundred. I also uh, was mentioning, I think last week, I, I I bought a wax box of garbage pail kids, so it's not really sports <laughs> card related. 
yeah. I bought it for like uh, like like thirty bucks about thirty years ago. <laughs> I sold it for uh, three hundred and eleven. So as far as uh, as far as uh, ROI, that was a pretty good ROI. It just took thirty years to get there. <laughs> and, and are you asking worse too? Yeah. What do you have for as far as your worst? Uh, whatever worst, reason it kind worst, of blew up in your face. Worst would be every other card I bought in the nineties. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we were talking about this pre-show, and uh, I, I was telling you my, my worst was, uh, you know, I was big in the 89. This is going to date myself, of course. Uh, 89 score football. I love that set. Beautiful set with, you know, Aikman and Sanders and, and uh, uh, both Sanders, Dion and Barry. Uh, and a buddy of mine told me, hey, you should check out this pro set. 89 pro set's awesome. It's like, and he was like a year older. He was like 11, maybe. But uh, he was, you know, I, he was older and wiser, I thought. And I started buying that garbage, and it didn't turn out the right way, unfortunately. Uh, Josh, jump in here as far as uh, your best and worst purchase as you can recall. Um, my best so far, I guess I bought a 2008 Topps LeBron base card. It's it's uh, uh, the picture where he's throwing the chalk. Um, I bought that for like 10 bucks on Facebook. Uh, sent it to SGC for another 10, so I'm into it for 20. And it graded out of 10, and they're selling for like 250 right now. Nice. So, um, Pretty good return on investment there. I've got a still got a bunch of cards at PSA that you know could be much uh, more significant uh, return on investment depending on what they grade. Uh, and I'm so new to the hobby, like the last six months, I don't really, I don't, I haven't sold much. So and like I haven't. You haven't bought into a set that like turned out to be terrible. You thought you speculate, this is going to be good and people are going to want this. And for whatever reason, nobody wants it. That doesn't happen just no. yet. I mean, one, some of the grade grading at PSA could determine uh, me kicking myself in the butt. I, I probably opened about 30 prism hanger boxes uh, uh, this year. So those retailed for like 18 and they're selling now for like 150. So that's like 4,500 bucks. Now, I lucked out and pulled some really nice short print Zions and some short print Jazz. So if those grade nines or tens, which which I think they should, uh, they're, they're pretty good. I'll, I'll make that money back and then some. But if they don't, then, yeah, I probably should have just sold the wax. But, uh, yeah. How about yourself, Brennan? Yeah, so I mentioned the uh, the Jalen Brown that I had bought on Comsi. I actually bought twenty of his select concourse for an average of about a dollar fifty, and I've sold over half of them now for an average of about five bucks. So I've I've more than tripled my money, and it's gone up since then. I'm going to hold the other ones till the playoffs, but um, that's going to be a you know a pretty nice profit on on a very cheap card on Comsi. Uh, as far as my worst. I guess all I can really say is uh, I have, I've had trouble in the past uh, comping shorter print cards. Uh, for instance, I bought a, I bought a Markel Fultz PSA 10 optic gold. So it's out of 10 for, I think 300 a few months ago and ended up selling it for, for 250. So I took a loss on it uh, because I was noticing all the raws were selling for a hundred, 150. 
So um, considering Fultz was just a player that I like and I kind of wanted to have some of his cards, I figured the money would be better spent on one or two Raws to try to get them graded. Um, but the problem was there wasn't a big sales history for a, a PSA 10 cold Markel Fultz. So I, I tried my best to look at similar players and things like that. But uh, I think the biggest loss I've taken, well, that is the biggest loss I've taken. I'm holding on to my guys like Wendell Carter Jr., who the Bulls just don't know how to use. But um, so I, I guess this, the moral of the story there is do some extra due diligence on the shorter print cards because they're sometimes hard to comp. Now, this was before I was using market movers. Market movers would have been really nice uh, for comping that card. But, um, yeah, I, I have to say that the Jalen Brown, and, and still counting as we'll see in the mail day, has probably been my biggest win, and, and that's one of those prospectors. As a guy who plays a lot of DFS, and all these names you guys are saying, uh, you know, Robinson for New York, Wendell Carter for Chicago, Triple J for Memphis, they're all the guys getting foul trouble. They're, they're great <laughs> DFS players, but they never get any run these. They're always in foul trouble, but I love all those names. Uh, let's move on. Some guys that we're speculating on now that we don't know are going to be good investments or not good investments, but currently somebody that you're targeting any sport, uh, Simon, you go first. Uh, I've been buying, or or at least looking for. I bought one Philip Walker card. It's a 2018 Panini Unparalleled, and Philip Walker is the backup to Teddy Bridgewater over in Carolina. Uh, Philip Walker uh, also played in the XFL last season, and he did really well. Um, he was going to be the MVP of the league uh, before <laughs> they had to cut the season short because of COVID. But he really was impressive when he was playing, and he had his opportunity once the XFL announced that the season was ending early. That freed him up from his contract. He was able to sign with Carolina, reunited with his old coach from Temple, Matt Rule. So he's handpicked by the head coach. Uh, they have a history together, and Teddy Bridgewater is really shaky. I pretty much think he's a perennial disappointer and I would not be surprised if at some point during the season, um, if he gets hurt or if uh, things go South with him, that they give Philip Walker an opportunity. It'd be interesting to see what he can do at the NFL level, but those uh, unparalleled cards, if you can get them under $30, the one that I bought was 25. That's around the price range that I'm looking for them at. And that's raw cards. I see a lot of people listing them at 200 or whatever. It's very rare to find that card. It's a, it's a 2018. He was on uh, Indy at the time, and there's not a lot of other rookie cards out there. I don't think there's any other rookie cards out there, to be honest. I've, all I've seen is those un, unparalleled cards. So it'd be a interesting speculative uh, pickup, but obviously he's a backup quarterback, so a lot can not happen there. Yeah, Jeff, your thoughts. I'm just curious, uh, do they make a lot of uh, cards with third-string quarterbacks? Because they probably, like like what uh, Simon's saying, Walker probably has a lot of cards out there because he's a third-string quarterback, and I'm guessing they don't automatically make the third-string quarterback a card for. I'm not really sure. And also, Jeff, uh, give me the guy you're speculating on right now. Yeah, it's interesting because uh, sometimes you find that player who, you know, was kind of low enough on the radar where he didn't really have cards or, or many of them. And then all of a sudden he kind of pops into the starting role. We saw it this year in basketball with Kendrick Nunn. Uh, Nunn is a great example of that. You know, he was coming into the season, not a heralded guy at all. He was not drafted. Uh, he came over from the G League. Um, and so the card manufacturers didn't make any cards of him. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, he's starting for the Heat. He 
uh, becomes one of the hottest players, uh, one of the hottest rookies the first half of the season, and he's not in prison. And he's not in any of the early season sets like NBA hoops or, or Donruss either. Um, his first card actually came about an optic because that was finally, Panini finally had a set where they were printing it late enough where they saw his performance on the, cart, uh, on the court and they scrambled to make a card of him. But they scrambled so quickly to make a card that they forgot to put his name on the front of the optic card. <laughs> so while all of the other players in the optic set have their name on the front of the card, Kendrick Nunn's card has a blank spot where his name's supposed to go. Um, and so, you know, you see these types of things occur from time to time. It's pretty uncommon, but it can happen. Um, in, terms of, in terms of a player who I've got my eye on right now, so keeping with that theme of going from players coming out of their rookie year of basketball, going into their second year of basketball, I mentioned before, I really like to buy players in that range. Uh, one guy I'm going to look at this offseason is Kobe White. And if, if, I've got a graph up here on my screen from Market Movers where I'm comparing Tyler Hero's cards, he is in uh, pink, to Kobe White's cards in black. And the pattern that Tyler Hero's cards have taken is the pattern of most basketball cards over the last few months, where most basketball cards, particularly during the month of June, have shot up in price as the NBA season resumption plan was announced and we're getting closer and closer to it. But of course, Kobe White is not going to be part of that resumption. The Bulls were not invited to be part of the resumption. So even though Kobe White's cards have moved up a little bit, you can see that Tyler Hero, whose cards were well below Kobe White's for most of the season, all of a sudden Tyler Hero's card prices are now selling above Kobe White's card prices. And we're seeing several other rookies also do that same leap above Kobe White in terms of card prices. So I think White's a guy who could make a good value buy right now. Yeah, I just pulled it up, by the way, just to your point about Walker. Walker went undrafted, so that's not a reason why he wouldn't have any cards out there. And as far as none, uh, none was on the Golden State uh, G League team, and they had to cut him just because they ran out of roster spots. And I think he was um, – he had some issues in college, some off-field issues in college, which sort of dropped his draft uh, status as well. So that's probably one of the reasons why he wasn't uh, as well-known as others. Uh, Jump in here, Josh. Give me a a player we're uh, going to be hyping up. Um, A guy that I'm – you know, always looking for good deals on, I mentioned him earlier, uh, R.J. Barrett. He's 19, plays for the Knicks. Um, I think, you know, he has a lot of room for growth. If they hire the right coach, him and Mitchell Robinson, like we talked about earlier, could, you know, be a good tandem. Um, and I've got, like, I've bought a bunch of his base cards, optic base cards, prison base cards, Um and compared to Zion and Ja, you know, he was picked right behind those two. He's drastically cheaper than them. Um, I'm not going to, you know, lose my shirt on it. He's, I just probably spent a couple hundred bucks on him. But, you know, I, I think he gets the exponential growth with a, with a good second season. All right, Brennan, tell me on somebody. Who's a, who are you bullish on? All right, this this could go very badly, and I might want to start packing up my desk because I might not get invited back. But it was a good um, run. Yeah, it was a it was a great run. So one thing I know for sure is going to happen next year is that we are all going to talk, uh, the, at least the talking heads on ESPN and everywhere else, about the Golden State Warriors. They're back. They're healthy. They got everybody going. There's one piece on there that's still relatively young and has the pedigree of a number one pick. He actually was a number one pick, and that's Andrew Wiggins. I I think that his time in Minnesota, he just lost interest. He was losing a lot. 
He was getting a lot of pressure for being the number one pick and underperforming. But he hasn't, I wouldn't say that he's been a bust. And one thing Steve Kerr loves about him is his defense. And he played really good defense on LeBron this year, if you watch that game uh, against the Lakers. And so I think in, in a system where he can be the fourth guy if he wants to, he's working on his jump shot. I think just the overall hype around Curry being back, Clay being back, uh, Golden State competing again, I think that attention is going to mean good things for Wiggins. And kind of like we've seen with Mark Fultz in Orlando, we've left the past in the past. And so I don't think he'll get as much heat for being the guy he was in Minnesota now that he's on a team that's actually competing. So I'm looking at Andrew Wiggins rookie cards. I'm picking them up for quite a bit cheaper than you would expect. However, the guy, I mean, he's 25, that's young, but the guys like RJ Barrett and Kobe white, they're still very young um, and still have a lot of promise ahead of them. Who knows if Wiggins can ever get back to what he used to be. But that's 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 my guy. That's my guy. I'm I'm gonna ride with Wiggins one more time. <laughs> it's funny though because I, I get I think it matters. Like popularity matters. You talked about it before. Like uh, people watch their YouTube videos and social media and all that. Wiggins for whatever reason, like just people don't like him. Uh, like as far as like uh, the way he plays, I don't know about personally. I have no idea. But uh, and like he was number pick one of one. And like, is he a bust? No. But are you thrilled if you picked him? Probably not. Somewhere in the middle. Yeah, I, I think the problem was, and Kobe Bryant added to this, was he he was being compared to Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, and he comes into the league and he doesn't have that mentality, the, uh, the Mamba mentality, the killer mentality that Michael Jordan had. And Minnesota just lost, and, and, and Wiggins has said it. Look, when you're losing, people are going to say what they want about you, and that's going to be the narrative. So now he's going to a team that's known for winning, that's known for a good system, and he's going to be out on the perimeter – shooting threes and we've seen it with Iguodala we've seen it with Harrison Barnes that system and those players just make everyone look better and so now you've got a guy in Andrew Wiggins who's still young and who has all the talent in the world could he make a jump kind of like Brandon Ingram did this year with the Pelicans coming out of the Lakers going to New Orleans maybe and look it's risky it's speculative uh, but I think this is this is the one shot for Wiggins to turn his career around. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about scarcity. I want to bring uh, Jeff in on this. Uh, your thoughts on some of the high population cards, you know, the, in the modern cards today, uh, how it affects our thinking of buying, you know, based upon how scarce they may or may not be uh, and how you deal with cards that are, you know, quote unquote safe. Yeah, that's a great question. And in fact, as we're talking, I'm going to call up within market movers because we did just recently add uh, population accounts within market movers. So just for comparison, let me call up Zion Williamson's uh, base prism uh, from 2019 and compare it to uh, Anthony Davis's base prism from 2012. So we're going to look at both of their rookie cards, and we're going to look at both of these in PSA 10 condition, and this is going to drive the point home. So these are the current pop counts on these two cards. Anthony Davis from 2012, that card has a total PSA population of 1,026. That means in the entire world, there's only 1,026 of these Anthony Davis 2012 Prism-based rookie cards in PSA 10. Zion from 2019 currently has a PSA population count of 5,630 for his base Prism rookie card. Same card seven years later, five times the population count. Here's the thing, though. PSA currently has over a million cards sitting in their warehouse ungraded that people have shipped them. You better believe that there are a lot of Zion-based Prism cards in that million-card backlog that that PSA currently has. 
I would not be surprised that when this is all, all said and done, I wouldn't be surprised if there are 20,000 Zion base prism PSA 10 cards in the population count compared to 1,000 Anthony Davis base prism cards in the population account. So what I'm saying is that I think the Anthony Davis card is going to be 20 times more rare than the Zion card, which, which uh, really kind of makes you think about the relative value of, you know, basketball cards today versus basketball cards, you know, back then. And you can see by looking at the price chart that the Anthony Davis card has taken off now well beyond the Zion card. The Anthony Davis card is the top line, but it actually wasn't that way until recently. And, you know, if you look back in this period of time, especially there was actually a period of time back in April where the Anthony Davis card and the Zion Williamson card were right at the same price, which is kind of crazy to think. Um, but, you know, I think a lot of folks who are getting into sports cards now, which there are many people, probably many people who watch this show who have only gotten into sports cards in the recent months. I think a lot of them aren't really thinking about the scarcity of cards. They're more thinking about like who is hot today. And more people are excited about buying Zion cards today than they are about buying Anthony Davis cards today. So it's it's a relative thing. You know, part of me, part of me feels like, uh, you know, more emphasis should be placed on population counts. And I think it should. But then the other part of me also thinks, yeah, but you've also got to look at where where is the market hot? And Zion has been, you know, had been the hottest thing in the market for, you know, for the last several months. Yeah, what I'm hearing, basically, uh, let's say Davis and Zion have the exact same career, hypothetically. Davis's cards, uh, that card specifically, especially, should be distinctly more expensive for scarcity reasons. I mean, if, it, if, all, if all things were equal, it should theoretically be maybe 20 times more expensive yeah. because of the fact that there are 20 times of them less in existence. By the way, we were speaking about Zion. We talked about this on previous shows, and, and maybe somebody else can speak to this. I don't want really to know how the NBA determined – uh, the eight games, like the eight opponents you guys are going to have. And we were talking about, you know, the NBA is going to do their best to get Zion in the playoffs. They're going to give New Orleans a pretty soft schedule. Have you guys seen New Orleans schedule for this eight-game uh, playoff? What, what, what do they call it? Not a playoff, but uh, eight games in the next, uh, you know, 16 days. You guys aware of this or no? Anybody? Yes, yeah. They pay, they play, like, the Kings twice. <laughs> they play the Wizards. It's If you if you stack the, the final six games between Memphis and, and Pelicans, if you look at them side by side, it is just ridiculous. Now, it's uh, blatantly the, obvious, right? Yeah, it's, it's blatantly obvious, but to the NBA's defense, we all knew that the Pelicans had an easier schedule and then yes. Memphis had a harder schedule if, if the season would have played out like it was supposed to. So I'm sure that they were trying to – to to solve and account for that but like the pelicans were given about as easy a schedule as you could get without just blatantly letting them play the wizards eight times (laughs) (laughs) yeah they got utah who's like in the middle of the road they also lost bogdanovich what it's worth they got the clippers okay like you said memphis sacramento washington san antonio sacramento again and then orlando um (laughs) they're probably going to run the table there uh so and i say probably but uh, as we started recording, uh, there was a report that three guys from New Orleans got COVID. So we don't know who those three guard, guys are, and we still are plenty of time out before the season starts back up again. So who really knows? But, like, under what we know right now, Brennan, it seems like uh, New Orleans, if nothing else, is on a path for, like, a play-in game to get into the playoffs. Yeah, you, you would imagine. And there's also reports that Zion, since this whole the layoff has started, has just been working his tail end off to get into shape and to surprise some people. So, of course, the Pelicans front office in-house are going to say that they're very impressed with Zion, but you don't hear it about every player. And so if he has been working to get better and he comes out hot, 
Um, you know, it should be interesting. The other piece of this is Memphis is healthy now too. They get their guys back, Clark and, and Jackson, from from what I'm aware. So I think it'll be a good run. I do think the NBA is cognizant that Zion in the playoffs is great for ratings, especially in a scenario where they've lost a lot of money as it is this year. So I think that while it's, there's no guarantee and look, I'm actually a fan of the trailblazers. Uh, Damian Lillard knows what it means to play in, in high pressure situations and they're also healthy as well. So it's going to be an interesting run. The Pelicans certainly did get a boost with the schedule, the way it laid out. Um, but I think what we can all root for is at least Zion and their team gets a chance in a play in game, especially because uh, as Jeff just mentioned, he's been hot. A lot of people are holding his cards and I think that any anybody looking to sell Zion would prefer to do it at least against the Lakers in the first round. But, um, you know, I, I'm for myself, think people might be sleeping on a team like the Blazers who have a guy that that has made big shots and played big games when it matters before. Yeah, I'm looking at the standings right now. It'll be interesting to see who gets that eight spot there in the West. Uh, Memphis currently has it with 32 wins and then Portland behind with 29. New Orleans, 28. The Kings, 28. Uh, I'd imagine it'll be between Memphis, Portland, and New Orleans. Uh, and I think, what is the rule? You guys, I think it's, it's within four games, and they have, they have some sort of a play-in game. That's only if it's two of them. The losing, the worst team has to win two games. The other team has to win one. But if it's three teams, I don't know. But it'll be interesting. The, the right to get walled by the Lakers. That should be fun. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. Let's talk about buying low. Jeff, you want to show off uh, your market movers tool once again? Do you not? Sure. Yeah, so I mean, buying low. You know, one of the interesting one of the interesting things you can do when you're looking within market movers is, you know, oftentimes people kind of gravitate towards the hot cards, whose cards are going up. You know, we talked about like Cam Newton uh, earlier, but the other thing you can do is you can sort the list by who's going down, and you can look at who's going in the opposite direction. And if you look at you know the cards that are dropping, you see a lot of these types of names: Ted Williams, Frank Thomas, George Brett. The reason why you see them, it's because of their Topps Project 2020 cards. A lot of the Topps Project 2020 cards have been down a lot. This is over the last 30 days. So you see guys who have Topps Project 2020 cards, you know, on here. They're being somewhat influenced by that. But as you can continue to go down or you can search for other players, and one that's caught my, you know, caught my eye recently was, was I looked at Michael Jordan. And if you call up uh, Michael Jordan, you see his cards are down almost 14% over the last 30 days. And then you can expand and you can look at, you know, some of his different cards and, and what they've done in terms of price um, and how those cards have gone up or down, um, you know, uh, recently. I think it's interesting to, you know, to, for example, um, let's look at this 1991 upper deck in, in BGS uh, 9.5. There's been a lot of sales of this one, 20 sales over the last 30 days. So it should give us a decent trend line here. And you can kind of see you know, how that softening, how you had the rise up of that card, and now you've had kind of the softening of that card after the last dance ended. And, of course, that's what's fueling a lot of Jordan's cards to drop. This, by the way, is his baseball card. This is his iconic uh, upper deck uh, baseball card is the one that we're uh, showing here in the, gra- in the graph. The uh, Birmingham Barons? upper deck. Is it a Birmingham Barons card or is it a White Sox card? I, don't, I feel like I remember seeing it before. I think it's a White Sox card, right? Yeah, yeah, it 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 is. Uh, it, yeah, he's got the the C. Yeah, the Chicago Chicago hat on there. Um, I think it's like a spring training White Sox type card. Um, yeah, but the the um, you know, so with his cards now on the decline, um, it could be an interesting time to pick up some Michael Jordan. I'd like to continue. I, I'm probably going to sit back and wait to see what they do over the next thirty days. Um, I'd like to see them plateau. And then once they plateau for a little while, that's probably the point I would start buying. 
So this is a graph within market movers that I'm looking at all a lot of Michael Jordan's graphs. I'm looking at every couple of days because I want to see how they're trending and I want to try to feel out where that plateau point is, be a good opportunity to buy. Because then what I think you'll see is you're going to see them slowly start to climb again over the course of time. I think Jordan's cards are a great long-term hold. They're a great long-term investment. So if you can buy them at a bit of a discount coming off of the hype of the last dance documentary might be a nice thing to do. Yeah. Uh, obviously a market correction, like you said, uh, they've just, there's too much hype, even though everybody loved the, the documentary and all that, but after it's over, I guess I suppose that the cards pump a little bit. It's just so weird how that works. Like Ted Williams didn't have a bad week. Frank Thomas didn't do anything wrong, but I guess that you said some sort of correlation with the, there are other cards that are going down and that's just, they just kind of correlate. I imagine. Is that what happens? Yeah. That in those cases, it was tops project 2020 as a set, as a whole, the entire set, every single card in that set had gone up, you know, tremendously uh, based on the back of a lot of just flipping and then the ceiling kind of hit on that market. And then all of a sudden they started to go down the other side as interest in those cards cooled off. And so, yeah, you see all of those cards kind of going up and going down as, as a whole. Yeah. Uh, all right. With that, uh, our final thoughts before we step aside and get out of here. And of course we're going to show off uh, our mail day. Everybody's got a card to show off, which we'll talk about in a second as they're setting, uh, saying goodbye and like letting them know their YouTube, uh, YouTube sources you have, or if you're on Instagram or if you're on uh, Twitter, all that good stuff. Let the people know, uh, of course, hit like and subscribe here at YouTube. Once again, Sports card investor use the uh, the promo code Grinders. That's G R I N D E R S to get twenty percent off your first your first payment. With that, uh, Simon, tell the people where to find you, what sort of projects you have in the works, what article you have coming up, and uh, tell us what card you're going to be showing off. Diamond, uh, Simon, uh, Simon. Wow. Uh, <laughs> my apologies. I'm getting names confused here. Uh, D Train Devin, uh, our producer, is going to fire up uh, your card so people can see it. But what are you showing off? I am, uh, my mail day, I got another 2016 uh, Dak Prescott Prism rookie card, uh, Gem Mint 10, PSA 10. I have a few of these now. I have two PSA 10s and I have a BGS 9.5. Obviously, I've been talking about Dak for a few weeks now. I think he's set up to have a great season. And I think if you can get that card in the 325 range, then you're getting a pretty good deal on it. And as far as where you can find me, you can find me at Yeti Boom Films on Twitter. You can find me in the RG Discord in the Sports Card channel. I'm usually in there along with Chief Rhino. Brennan's been popping in there. Head Shopper's getting into cards. So it's a lot of uh, good people to talk to about collecting cards. And uh, as far as articles, I have an article coming out at some point tomorrow. Uh, going to be talking about speculative quarterbacks that you might want to be uh, looking at. You can find that on the Roto-Grinders page. Uh, go to Sports Cards, and we have all our articles and videos up on that page. And I would also like to add to the importance of scarcity. If you're concerned about scarcity with more modern cards, uh, try looking at uh, RPA rookie patch auto cards and just autograph cards in general. Cause that way, you know, that you're getting a pretty scarce population on your card. Also, uh, Brendan talks about it a lot, but, uh, those select Panini select cards, that's, that's a hobby, uh, specialty cards. So you don't get those in retail. They have lower populations. Those are another one 
that you can look at if you're if you're concerned about uh, your populations getting too high. Yeah, Brennan, feel free to add to that thought, and of course, tell the people where they can find you all the around the interwebs, and tell us what card we're looking at. Sure. Yeah. So this this week, well, to to close out the select uh, the select note, I, I've seen the populations on those uh, be as much as you know eight or nine times lower than than the prism and optic counterparts, and I, I do think that's directly related to it being a hobby only product. That also could be that. Um, you know, people are catching on to the popularity of select and more will be submitted for grading. But I, I think it's safe to assume that, uh, that select is, is a lower print run just from the sheer fact that you can't find it at the, the thousands of Walmarts and targets and all that kind of stuff. So I'm a huge fan of select and it released the same year as prism. So it's not a new set that people don't trust. It was, it was released in the intention of being the hobby higher end set counterpart to prism. And, somehow prism has just gained more traction as, as the, the powerhouse and and rightfully so, uh, you know, the market speaks and they like prism more right now. So, um, but I think we could see that shift maybe in the coming years, but uh, that's just speculation. As far as the cards I got in this week, I got a couple of them. Uh, one is Michael Jordan. Speaking of, we just talked about him. I couldn't afford any of his rookies, but the nuts and bolts, uh, insert for the, the 1995 uh, Fleer metal set is a really cool looking card. And as we talked about last week, I'm finding that, uh, SGC 10 counterparts are selling for about 50 to 60% of the PSA, uh, 10 prices. And there's some anecdotal evidence that SGC might actually grade tougher, than uh, PSA, if not for the sole fact that they have the 9.5 to fall back on if they feel like something's on the fence, whereas PSA has to make it a 10 or a 9. So I'm closely monitoring SGC 10s on eBay. And if there's one that's selling at a steep discount from its PSA counterpart, worst case scenario, especially for a card I want to hold long term, I'll just send it into PSA and see if they'll cross grade it into a PSA case if, if SGC never catches up. Uh, the other one is, is Jalen Brown. So I know I, I talked about selling some of Jalen Brown's, but I also think he's a good long-term investment. Um, I think the core of Boston is going to be Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum for years to come. And so I'm trying to pick up some some higher-end cards for Jalen Brown. This week it was the, the select uh, PSA 10 Silver. Uh, that I found for a pretty good price. So I'm uh, pretty happy to have both of those in. The Jordan's going to go up on my shelf. It's one that I want to hold on to for a long time, maybe pass on to my son as, as he gets older. Uh, as far as where you can there, oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yep. Yeah, as far as where you can find me, uh, at the DFS advisor, both on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, but I've been most active in the Discord. There's a lot of good conversations going on in there. And I've actually been doing, I've been trying to do a lot more listening than I am talking because there's a lot of, you know, great minds in there. And I think even if you're not someone who likes to, to directly contribute to the conversation, there's a lot of great, uh, discourse to be had. So, um, you can, you can find me there pretty much every day when I have time. You can just lurk if you want to lurk, I suppose, right? Is lurking allowed? I imagine so. Lurking is fine, yeah. Uh, Jeff, I don't know if it it wasn't a competition, but if it was, I got a sneak peek at your car. We all got a sneak peek at your car. You won. Tell us what it is and tell us about all your socials. Sure. This is a 2019 Prism Draft Picks Zion Williamson Crusade card. But what makes this one special, it it is the gold vinyl. That means it's number to five. And I, I uh, actually pulled this out of a box of Prism draft picks. I don't open up a lot of boxes, but I, I opened this up on my YouTube channel uh, back in, I think it was uh, October, perhaps. Um, and I wanted to open up some boxes and show everyone what the product looked like. So I opened up some boxes, um, pulled that card out of one of the boxes, sent it off to PSA, uh, and then recently just got it back. <laughs> it's t- it took a long time to get it back, but I just got it back. 
and that's why um, it's kind of my mail day, you know, card for today. Um, and thankfully, it came back a PSA 10, so I was pretty excited about that. That's what I was hoping for. Um, in terms of how to connect with me, sportscardinvestor.com. Um, and again, if you uh, want to sign up for the membership, use promo code GRINDERS for 20% off any of the memberships. Um, and then also, we're on YouTube at Sports Card Investor. We're on Instagram at Sports Card Investor. And we're on Twitter at Sports Card INV, just because they won't allow you to have a username more than 15 characters. Fair enough. Uh, Josh, close us out. Uh, yep. So my mail day card is uh, 2003 Upper Deck MVP Carmelo rookie. Um, the LeBron in this set is super popular, sells raw for over 100. But you can pick up Wade and Carmelo for, I picked up most of these. I bought 11 of them for like between 2 and $5. Dwayne Wade's like 10 to $15. And it's a, just a really nice, clean-looking card. The gem rate on it at PSA and BGS is really high. So, um, you know, the likelihood of buying Ron sending in and getting a 10 or a 9.5 is, is really good. Um, uh, for social, you can find me, uh, Saki21 on Twitter. Uh, I am a lurker in the Discord. Uh, <laughs> um, don't type too much, but I'm, I'm always checking it out. Um, and Saki Collects on Instagram and YouTube. Sweet. Uh, thanks, everybody, for watching. Thanks for, uh, you know, hitting the likes. You guys still like button? Maybe, kind of, sort of. Not begging, but we'd appreciate it. Like, subscribe, the whole deal. Leave some comments in the comment section as well. With that said, for Brennan, for Simon, for Josh, for Jeff, I was Dean. This was Roto Grinders. This was Sports Card Grinders. Thanks for watching. We're out of here. Holler. Thank you.